What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad, where we talk about the post-jazz game. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad. Yes, another episode of After the Game. And the Jazz win their sixth in a row, 118 to 96 in Philadelphia, their second on the road. And man, do they look good. The Jazz finished again 118 to 96 and take care of business. In Philly, Spencer, what are your initial thoughts on tonight's big win in Philadelphia? It was a team win, I thought. Um, what I mean by that is there were eight and there were eight players on the Jazz team that scored over 10 points, which is quite a bit. Um, and it just showed that the Jazz are a winning team. And they obviously have their superstars with Gobert and Mitchell and Conley, who all played fairly well. Mitchell's streak of scoring 30-plus points. I think he had four games in a row, or at least three games in a row, where, he's, where he scored 30-plus points. Sorry. That ended. He only had 22 points. Most of them came in the first half, so he was on track. But we didn't really need a blowout game by Mitchell, clearly, because the rest of the team kind of played fairly well, and, and everybody scored above 10 points. What do you think, Dad? Yeah, a couple of streaks ended tonight. Even though we get the win, I'm watching, and I go – Man, I hope Mitchell can score 30. He doesn't. No big deal. I hope we can hit our 20th three-pointer. We don't. Yeah, we haven't talked about this because we missed last night's game, which we can analyze a little bit as well. Um, but against Minnesota, but we had hit 23 pointers the first time in NBA history in three straight games. Wow. And it would have been great to continue that streak, but we get 15 three-pointers tonight. Good point, though. Great team win by the Utah Jazz. Very balanced. And it's it's interesting because you kind of look at the score and you go, oh, it's going to be close. It's going to be tough. Same last night in Minnesota. Then all of a sudden you look at the final score and we blow them out. So almost mirror images uh, of uh, last night and tonight. So very interesting. Yeah, we had Whiteside back. He was out for a couple of games, and we also Conley played tonight. Usually, or at least it was mentioned that he wasn't going to play back-to-back games, and this being the second leg of the back-to-back, we didn't think he'd play, but he did, which is good. And then Whiteside coming back, he had a great night, double-double, 14 points, 10 rebounds. And I do want to give a shout-out to Gobert. He, it, we're getting used to these stats, but I don't want it to take away from the fact that they're really good stats. 17 points and 21 rebounds. That is a, a lot of rebounds, and he had two blocks. And he kind of held Embiid, Embiid, I think he had just missed six games due to, I don't know if it was COVID or something, but he was out for a little bit. So this was his first game back. And he played okay, had 19 points um, and nine rebounds. But as many as much as people hate giving Gobert credit, Embiid can get up to 40 points or get up to at least high 20s. And Gobert did kind of stop him and he stopped the rest of the team to have a good night. Yeah, he's averaging, Embiid's averaging 24 points and 11 rebounds, and he is a load. And in my mind, probably the best center in the NBA all around. But I shy away from really anointing him to be that because of what you just said. You look at what Rudy Gobert is doing night in and night out. He's averaging 14, 15 points a night almost 15 rebounds. It's 14.8 and 14.5. He rounded up and just he here's two things that don't show up in the stat sheet. And you hear them quite a bit. Number one, how many shots does he discourage? I wish that was a stat, not blocked, 
but discouraged when he's in there, regardless of what Anthony Edwards says or Patrick Beverly says uh, chirping last night. And then number two, there is a stat on this. How many great screens does he set? They were back-to-back three-point shots. I don't know they were right back-to-back, but a series of plays where he set picks for Donovan Mitchell in the first half and Donovan hit some threes. So Gobert in 29 minutes and Embiid in 30 minutes, you look at the stat line and Gobert got the best of it. So what yep. do you think about that matchup and what Gobert is showing this season? So he's rising to the occasion and it's frustrating because if, in case anybody didn't hear Minnesota's team kind of mentioned that Rudy Gobert isn't that he's basically overrated. They say that he doesn't incite fear in them and that he, that Gobert isn't somebody that teams should worry about because he's not really a defensive player of the year, even though clearly he is and the, in the league awards him as such a lot of players around the league don't want to agree to that, but he arose to the occasion tonight. And I think he handled a bead. Well, and bead kind of seemed out of it. Maybe it's because he wasn't, he was back to playing after a long stretch of not playing uh, and B did kind of go to the locker room in the fourth quarter for a little bit and then came back and he got a technical in the game. So maybe he was just having a frustrated night, but I mean, if you look at on an offense standpoint, Gobert definitely opens up the court for us to shoot our threes and we shot fairly well from the three. I think we were um, 37% from three and that's because Gobert is setting screens and then he's also driving to the hoop, which allow him to suck in some players and us to dish it around a little bit. And there's been a quite a few videos on Instagram from not jazz accounts, but from other accounts that highlight the movement that the jazz have to get shots. And I think that's because Gobert is the center point for the offense where he can allow us to rotate. Obviously we have four great shooters on the court at all times. Just Gobert opens that up. And then defensively, yes, we can't switch on screens. We have a small lineup, but it's because we can rely on Gobert to clean things up. And he does, and then he gets the board with his 21 points tonight. So I think he deserves the three defensive players, the defensive player of the year awards. And he definitely is having a season that is worth all the money we're paying him. Yeah, listen, we can debate everything about Rudy Gobert, some of his flaws, not being the most athletic center, not being able to do what B does by taking it rebounding under his own back under under his the team's basket and then driving all around all the way to his own basket but just incredible i mean you hit two things tonight let's combine them both gobert goes 17 and 20 17 points 20 rebounds whiteside goes 14 points 10 rebounds that means you're getting 31 points and 31 rebounds from your center position and tonight the stat of the night is we out-rebounded Philadelphia 52-34 to 34 and had 16 offensive rebounds. You're not going to lose many games when you get 16 offensive rebounds, and that led to a Jazz win tonight. Kind of backing it up a little bit to a win last night in Minneapolis and restating what was said after the game, Patrick Beverly said that Rudy Gobert I don't know if he said these exact words, but intimated he didn't deserve to be defensive player of the year because he's not guarding the best player every night. He's not switching one through five. And Patrick Beverly says, I'm a defensive player that guards everybody and Rudy can't guard everybody. That was number one. Then Anthony Edwards said what you said, that Rudy Gobert doesn't strike fear into him or really anybody as they drive into the paint. And he said, 
Christoph Porzingis strikes more fear in Anthony Edwards than Rudy Gobert does. Then the stat came out today, which I loved. And over the last two years, Anthony Edwards has shot three for 10 last year when guarded by Rudy Gobert and 0 for 2 this year. So he's combined three of 12 under 25% shooting when Rudy Gobert guards him. So words are one thing and actions are another. What are your thoughts, Spencer, on these two comments by Patrick Beverly and um, by Anthony Edwards, knowing the Jazz are going to play the Timberwolves two more times this month before the month ends in the next 20 days. This is going to be a war when they get together. Well, I hope it is. And I hope that this, well, I mean, I, I, I hope the jazz bring a war mentality to it. They, I do agree it to the extent that for some reason, even though the jazz are good, they don't scare other teams and other teams like to take advantage of kind of their vibe and play harder against the jazz, which you could argue a lot of teams don't really want to play the bulls this year. A lot of teams don't want to play, the Warriors this year or the Suns this year just because they're afraid of what teams that those teams can do. And the Jazz don't have that respect for some reason, but they have the talent. And I hope this kind of – I think Gobert is kind of getting a little frustrated, but I, I don't think his frustration is the right word. I think he's kind of like – kind of claiming what he deserves. And, and I think he does deserve to have all these awards and, and everything. And so he's kind of getting to – players and chirping back and and kind of being a bigger bully even though he's not as athletic but saying listen i have these stats for a reason because i can hand it to you each night and it's a bold comment was it it was beverly right that said that he was the defensive player of the year or or anthony yeah, he, he, I don't questioned, know. he questioned if he should be defensive player of the year because yeah, he doesn't then, guard one through five or guard the best player every night like i do is what yeah, but then he guarded mid he was guarding Mitchell that night and Mitchell dropped 36 points on him. So if <laughs> exactly. he's really the best player of the defensive player of the year, then Mitchell's going to just hand it to him. And then that makes Mitchell. Even well, well Beverly's one of those guys where when he says something, you go, okay, whatever. Anthony Edwards is somewhat becoming that guy, even though he's a tremendous athlete and great talent and actually had a good start to last night's game. And then we shut him down. Um, I, the, my, the, my reason for bringing up is twofold. One, very interesting comments. And number two, we're going to play them two more times this month and then again in January. So over the next 45 to 60 days, we play the Timberwolves three more times. And last night's win over the T-Wolves, a big win. I think we won by 30. We're up by 30-plus down the stretch. Sent a message because that team was the only team that – I don't want to say only team. They swept us in the season series last year in a season where we played well above what anybody expected. So – it's going to be fun to see what happens. I can't imagine Rudy not guarding Patrick Beverly next game that Quinn Snyder doesn't switch him off to Patrick Beverly and let him see what he can do against him. Yeah, I think that these are just kind of hot-headed, arrogant comments by somewhat young players who feel like they're unstoppable and they know that the Jazz don't really have the chirping back attitude. So I hope... I- I, I will say you're I don't know if we've seen it and it, and he doesn't have a history of this, but there's a presence about Rudy Gay. There's a presence about his size, what he what he brings to the team, his maturity. And he's he's a guy who I think if he dunked on you in the playoffs or he hits a three over you in the playoffs, there's a little bit of all right, let's go. Right. And he's 
he might bring that to the table. Tonight, during the middle of the game, I sent you a note and I said, all right, let's look at it. Would you rather have Rudy Gay or George Niang? Would you rather have Hassan Whiteside or Derek Favors? And I think right now, 24, 25 games into the season, both of us unequivocally would say we're glad we got Gay and we are glad we got Whiteside. So all Jazz fans, we upgraded. And it's starting to show now, albeit our record 17 and seven, we're not 20 and one and four like the Warriors. We are a very good team. That's very true. And talking kind of switching over back to the Philadelphia game and kind of topics from there and talking about off season and stuff like that. I haven't really followed the Ben Simmons saga too much. I don't really know much about it. I still know that he isn't playing. And there was a poll during the game where you could scan the QR code that came on the screen and vote whether you thought Ben Simmons would play again for the Sixers or not. And I wanted to hear what you thought of that. And then, well, the poll came out, 59% said he will not play for the Sixers again. And then 41% said they do see him playing for the Sixers again. What yeah, so, so what, I, what I see is kind of what the comment was on NBA TV tonight. The Sixers GM, Daryl Morey, who – is one of the better GMs and built the Houston Rockets to be a championship contender with James Harden is most likely not to, going to give Ben Simmons away. So he's not just going to do a deal for deal sake. I'm not sure that that's right or wrong. So I'd have to lean on the side of what everybody else is saying and that he's not going to play. That said, we still have 50 games left in the season. I can't imagine a club where Dale Morey makes a deal wouldn't want to say, I'll take him for at least 40 games. Ben Simmons is talented. He is a big point guard. He can rebound. He can pass. He can lay the ball in. Can't necessarily shoot from three, which is really what hurt the Sixers down the stretch there in the free, free throw line. But uh, there's probably 20 plus teams in this league that would take him for the right trade. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of players have, their own baggage to come along when they when they when they play for a team, but he definitely has the build to be a great player. Um, got it. I mean, we. I was listening to the the Philadelphia broadcast and and um, what's his name, Dominic Wilkins, right? He was, um, I mean, the, the late great Hall of Famer. He was kind of talking about the 76ers, and he said during the absence of Ben Simmons, Embiid's going to be the focal point during the offense clearly he's going to take the majority of the shots and and they're going to work to get the ball to him but when Embiid's not on the court it just leaves the rest of the team to kind of have to step up and that's where Curry kind of comes in Yang um you got Tobias Harris yeah Harris and Maxi Maxi who's coming in pretty good so it'll be interesting what the Sixers do they're still doing pretty well I think at the east they for for what they are. And that's mainly because of Embiid and his, and his power. But overall, I think Sixers have a, have a good potential. And Dominic Wilkins was talking about Gobert and clearly he doesn't, he's not in the game anymore. So it's hard for him to make statements, but he did make interesting points about how Gobert isn't a a typical put the ball down and dribble center. Um, He's more of a, let the, game play out and then score points when he can center, which is a little bit different than the league that Dominic Wilkins played in. Yeah. 
the the center position has changed. Gobert gets his points. I mean, for Gobert to get 17 points. You're fighting hard. Where, where he doesn't really have lots of plays drawn up for him. It's more of pick and, pick and roll, lob, offensive rebound, putbacks, um, maybe a few, you know, breakaways. He doesn't have a post move or a tries, but he's not great with his back to the basket. He doesn't have a eight foot jumper and he doesn't shoot a three. Embiid does all of that, and that's what makes him great. But Rudy Gobert still matches him and exceeds him on a night like tonight because Gobert just has a big heart. He just has a really big heart and and wants to play well. Very true. And so the Jazz are now eighteen. Are we eighteen and seven? Or I think it's seventeen and seven, unless I'm I miss. No, Maybe it's eighteen. My it doesn't update automatically really quick. This the stats. So. Right. Um, I can't remember. I, you're right. We're probably 18 and seven and 14, uh, still three games behind Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And yeah. And we play, who do we play next? We play on Saturday night. We go to Washington, D.C. and play the Wizards, another great team. So getting back to this theme that I've been mentioning over the last uh, few podcasts, and I picked this up from David Locke and Locked on Jazz, we're playing a clump of a clump of teams. And again, what I mean by that is teams that are not golden state or Chicago or Brooklyn or the Phoenix suns, but they're all kind of 12 and 11, 13, 11, 14, 11. So we go into Washington and they're right now, unless I'm missing a game 15 and 11. And uh, they are the, and if you look at the league from top to bottom, the top one through 30, the Washington Wizards are eighth and we're fourth or third. So this will be a real big test for us. This will be a top 10 team that we're going to play. And it would be nice to finish up this four game road trip with a win in Washington. The way that we're playing, we should be able to do that. Man, our offense looks really good. Yeah, it'll give us an advantage for sure if we win. Um, But any night the Jazz can score around 120 points is good especially with our good defense right now, the Lakers are playing the Grizzlies. So I wanted to hear what your thoughts on that. I think the Grizzlies are right behind us in the standings. They are 14 and 11. So they're a couple games behind us, but what's your position? I I know the Lakers are sixth and the Grizzlies are fourth. Who would you want to see come out with the win on that one? Uh, You know, I only because I, I, I don't want to see the Lakers continue to, to go out, spend the money, talk about all these championships and, and win. Generally, I would say you want the higher seed to lose or the closer seed to you to lose, which would be the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies are good, but we, we've we played the Grizzlies well this season. Uh, looks like they're up by seven at the end of the third. Um, I don't know. Tough question, man. Who do you want to win, Lakers or Grizzlies? Um. It's tough. I'm not a huge Lakers fan anymore. I like Carmelo and Westbrook is just an like an iconic player to me. But I um I kind of like distancing ourselves from teams, and I don't really see the Lakers as a huge threat come regular season. So Memphis does have a potential to pass us if they start playing well. So I'd rather see. I don't know. I don't really care to be honest with you. Uh, I don't really care about the Lakers. Memphis is going to play well. What do you think of the Staples Stadium being taken down? I know you've had some memories kind of in L.A. going to that, to the, the Staples Center. 
um, is it going to be, and kind of from your background and work, we got crypto.com taking over the, the new Lakers court. So I have a little bit more history on the Staples Center than most. So when the Staples Center was named, Mitt Romney, who was working with Bain Consulting, had bought that business, reshaped it, and sold it to sustain it as a office supply, back-to-school supply company. So he was involved in it. So in the late 90s, when I worked with Mitt Romney at the 2002 Olympic Winter Games, we talked about sponsorship, and we talked about stadium and arena naming rights. And he says, I just don't get it. We reshaped this company, Staples. The, the company came to me and said, we want to put our name on this building. And I said, for what? For what? That, that'd be a ridiculous idea. And they did. And Staples became a household name. And more than likely, they drove business their way. But quite frankly, when you thought of the Staples Center, I don't know how many people at the end of its lifetime being named the Staples Center thought about Staples the store as much as they thought about it being an arena. So naming rights have an interesting shelf life. And this, this new deal is just astronomically huge. The, the thing about that arena and what makes it so worth it is just where it sits in LA and LA Live is what they call it. What it holds, which are the Lakers and the LA Kings of the National Hockey League and the Clippers for another season or two until their building is done. And then so many concerts and the Grammys and the ESPYs that it's a building that if your name is on it, it's not just Vivint Arena for the Utah Jazz and a few concerts. It's crypto.com and everything that goes with it. So smart move on their part by doing that. I think Staples got all the mileage they could out of that naming rights for a good deal, even though Mitt Romney was like, I don't get it. Yeah. It's, it's sad seeing something something so iconic come to the uh, end of a contract. Shaq had a comment on that. He said that the Staples Center belongs to him and Kobe, so he's fine with it leaving and becoming Crypto.com. I don't, I don't really want to get too in, uh, off topic, but Crypto.com was also sponsoring the game tonight on the court at the Wells Fargo um, Arena in – Philadelphia. So they're making some moves. It's just interesting watching all the sponsorships around the league and now the start of a new sponsorship in a iconic building. Like you just said, it's always interesting to see. And it's just telling where the world's going. Everything's well, crypto is, it's going to have an interesting cycle in my mind. I do believe that it will catch on to a degree. Already has banks. Banks will start to as they already have, invest in it, understand it, and use it because it's unregulated. It's almost the wild, wild west and anyone can buy and trade and trying to figure out taxes and how to regulate it. And then banks will buy it. Somebody will buy crypto.com like, you know, Fidelity or Merrill Lynch or a major bank. And then all of a sudden they'll get regulated again. It'll just be a cycle is a thought. But it's definitely a hot category in my line of work when you're out trying to put brands with sports teams and sports buildings because they know that sports fans 
uh, are passionate about the partners that are on their buildings and on their jerseys and on their dashboards. Yeah, maybe one day we can have the the advertising sponsorships be a little bit bigger on, on jerseys, kind of like they do in Europe. I think that's fun. But <laughs> Well, we should get crypto.com to sponsor this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would get paid in crypto to do anything. <laughs> the way to do it. All right. Well, Jazz are looking good. I like the win streak. Hopefully they can keep it going against the Wizards on Saturday. Wizards are still a good team. Just another reminder that the teams get out and play against the Jazz. But man, we got a good team. And I hope yeah, we, we have a really good team. I agree. All right. Anything else, Dad? That's it. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks, Dad. Bye.